Chapter 18, The Final Tests Although neither Dan nor Amanda were certain how long they had been left in the pasture to rest, neither was ready to leave when Tara and Beth came to collect them. In the limited time they spent together under the tree, Dan had done his best to reassure Amanda of his feelings for her despite their hopeless situation. And Amanda returned Dan's affections with nuzzling and neighing. Instead of leading them to the stable as Dan expected, Tara and Beth respectively led Amanda and Dan along a paver brick walkway to the back of the residence. The hooves of the two ponies generated a distinct clip-clop noise that announced their predicament to all those who passed by. Although blinders prevented her from seeing them, Amanda could hear a group of women admiring the sway of her tail. Amanda snorted and angrily tugged against her lead when another woman commented that she would rather ride the stallion than the mare. Eventually, they entered the rear of the residence through two separate doors that appeared to lead to male and female locker rooms. Once inside, each trainer handed off her pony to a pair of attendants. Dan's attendants were male, and Amanda's attendants were female. None of the attendants spoke. Dan looked around and found the room resembled a traditional locker room in a gym. There were benches in an open area, lockers along one wall, and a shower area toward the front. There were also sinks, toilets, towels, and scales. The only aspect of the room that couldn't be found in a typical gym were the rings installed in the cinder block walls, presumably for holding waiting slaves. The attendants efficiently stripped Dan of the pony gear, which was deposited into the laundry-style bins with rollers on the bottom. Dan was provided sandals, and he was led to a shower area to wash up. Once through the shower door, the attendant secured the door and waited for Dan to complete his shower before unlocking it. After his shower, Dan was given towels and toiletries, and he was flanked by the two attendants as he finished with his hair and teeth. When they were satisfied that Dan was finished, one attendant wordlessly fastened an ominous leather collar around Dan's neck. The other attendant offered Dan a stainless steel butt plug and a jar of lubricant. Instead of accepting the paraphernalia, Dan gave a heavy sigh and shook his head. Before he could verbalize his refusal, Dan felt a heat begin to rise in his neck under the collar, and the attendant again extended the items towards Dan. Dan turned back to look at the first attendant to assess his situation. The first attendant looked as though he was becoming angry. The angrier he looked, the more uncomfortable Dan's collar became. Within a few seconds, the pain in Dan's neck became unbearable and he blurted out, Okay, I'll put it in. The first attendant's demeanor returned to normal, and the pain in Dan's collar subsided. Dan couldn't believe what was happening to him. That was something straight out of a sci-fi thriller, but he knew he had to comply to avoid the searing pain. He reluctantly opened up the jar, spread some lubricant on the plug, and forced it into his anus. It stretched him inside and out and it made walking slow and uncomfortable. He followed the first attendant down a long interior corridor, and he was followed closely by the second attendant. When he would fall too far behind the leading attendant, Dan would feel the heat begin to surge in his neck and in his ass. Dan did his best to keep up his pace. Finally, they turned through a door into a 12 by 12 cinder block cell with an extremely high ceiling. Looking up, Dan could just see the walls fade into the blackness. As he entered the cell, Amanda entered the cell at the opposite side. She was naked except for a collar similar to his, and he could tell from her stride that, like him, she had also had an intruder in her ass. They were each led around the cell to their right, and they stopped when they reached a pair of stainless steel foot pads along the center of their opposite walls. The footpads were spaced lightly, more than shoulder-width apart, and a smaller utility table stood just beyond each set of pads. The tables each held a small bottle of baby oil and a head harness with an integrated ball gag and blindfold. Dan looked above the pads to see a pair of suspended steel rings. The trailing attendant moved past Dan, 
and the leading attendant until he reached the table. Amanda's attendants mirrored the movements across the cell. The trailing attendant picked up the head harness and held the ball gag in front of Dan's mouth. Dan opened his mouth to accept the gag, and the attendant quickly fastened it around his head. He could feel the attendant adjusting the straps to make the harness conform to Dan's head, and once the eye pads in the harness were tightly adjusted, the attendant gave a sharp tug to a strap that forced the ball deep into Dan's mouth. He then heard Amanda grunt as the same process was used on her. Suddenly, Mistress Juliet's amplified voice echoed through the cell. I hope you both are feeling well now that you have freshened up a bit, Juliet said sarcastically. This is the second and the three tests that you will be taking today. While the preparation has been a while, the test itself should be reasonably short. As Juliet spoke, Dan and Amanda found themselves being maneuvered to the footpads. Their bodies were pivoted and their legs were spread, so that each foot was on one of the pads. Their wider stances forced the anal intruders uncomfortably deep inside their cavities. One by one, their sandals were removed, and they could feel the cold steel beneath their feet. This is an endurance test that operates at several levels. It will require physical endurance to remain in the required position, and it will require emotional endurance when you hear your competitor being punished. Juliet said, barely able to disguise her glee at the deviousness of the test. Dan felt the attendants on either side of him guide his arms into a standing spread-eagle position. Each of his hands were positioned to grab onto one of the steel rings suspended above the foot pads. Below, you are two metal pads. Above you are two metal rings. Your task is simple. Maintain a connection with all four of your appendages. Dan heard the baby oil bottle being opened to his right. Your opponent's comfort is your motivation to endure the test, Mistress Juliet continued. Dan felt a stream of baby oil tracing down each arm around his torso and down each leg. In order to improve your body's natural conductivity, you'll be rubbed down with baby oil. Dan felt the four hands of the attendants rubbing the baby oil into every part of his body. The thought of two guys' hands massaging his body gave him the creeps, but he bit down hard on his ball gag and waited until he finished. The attendants started at the wrist and worked their way down to his body. They took far too long lingering around his genitals and rubbing his ass for Dan's liking, but they finally stopped when they finished the tops of his feet. Dan was imagining the two women massaging Amanda and he began to get hard. Just then he felt the attendants remove his hands from their oversized rings and slather baby oil on his palms and fingers. They did the same thing to the bottoms of his feet. The extra baby oil on his hands and the feet made it extremely difficult to maintain contact with the rings and pads. His hands kept slipping off the rings, and his feet kept sliding off the pads. He imagined that Amanda was having similar issues. You have no doubt discovered the discomfort that can be caused by your collars and plugs, but you may be disappointed to hear that you have only scratched the surface of the unpleasant capabilities of those devices. Every time you fail to maintain contact with the metal rings and pads, your partner will discover a new sensation that can be generated by these devices. Dan heard the echoing of a sound of a fan motor starting from high above the cell, and a breeze began to blow over their well-oiled bodies. Amanda's nipples hardened and Dan's scrotum retracted. They quickly became cold enough to begin shivering slightly. The last time we administered the test, the participants held and lasted less than five minutes. Juliet said, pausing to let the impact of their statement sink in. The longest anyone has ever been able to hold out is seven minutes. But that was when the punishment was inflicted directly on the contestant who broke the connection. This is the first time we've designed the test so that the opposing player is punished. Who knows? Juliet said, leaving the rest to Dan and Amanda's imagination. After a few moments, Juliet's sarcasm became serious. In 30 seconds, the test will begin. Your head harnesses should help you concentrate on the task at hand. You will need to focus all of your energy on maintaining contact with the metal rings and pads. On occasion, we have seen participants reestablish contact 
with one fixture only to lose contact with another. Because you will each be punishing the other, this could result in a painful chain reaction affecting you both. Good luck to you both. Five, four, three, two, one, begin. Amanda couldn't believe this was happening to them, but she was also distracted by thinking about the events over the past week. She was concentrating only on what was happening to them at the moment. In the darkness, time had no meaning. Amanda was focused on maintaining her hold on the overhead rings so that she could control the positions of her feet. After what felt like a minute, Amanda began to sense tension in the overhead rings. She thought it might be her imagination, but it felt as though the rings were being pulled upward so slightly. She redoubled her efforts to hold on to the rings, and but her muscles began to tire. She cursed herself at not being able to hold on to the rings, and she began to lose confidence. For what seemed like five minutes to Amanda, neither participant had been punished, but both were very close to losing their grip on the overhead rings. Eventually, Dan grunted and hung his head in fatigue. In another context, the slight movement would have been insignificant. But in his situation, the movement caused the center of his gravity to shift enough for his left hand to momentarily lose contact with the ring. Amanda immediately screamed into her ball gag as a jolt of electricity ripped through her anal plug. Although the intensity was actually no greater than that of a common canine shock collar, the unexpected punishment took Amanda's breath away. Dan immediately rose to his tiptoes and lunged upward with his left hand to find the empty ring again. All the while, Dan was repeating an unintelligible, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, into his ball gag. Amanda quickly resigned and regained her composure, but felt pity for Dan knowing that it was an accident that could have happened to either of them. The situation stabilized and the contest continued for what Amanda estimated was another few minutes without incident. Dan and Amanda found their auditory senses were heightened because of the head harness. They could hear the constant whir of the overhead fan. They could hear the breathing of the attendants nearby. And they could hear a murmuring from the spectators above Amanda's imagined what that Beth and Tara accomplished Juliet in some sort of kinky skybox. Daydreamed that her predicament was presented for their entertainment on closed-circuit monitors with hors d'oeuvres served by waitstaff of French maids and half-naked men in bondage gear. Amanda was aroused from her daydream when she heard Juliet say, Now it should get interesting. Startled by the realization that she was losing her concentration, Amanda's right foot accidentally slid off the foot pad, and Dan was punished. Her infraction was only momentary, but Dan's loud, forceful grunt told her it was painful. All Amanda could do was whimper an apology into her gag, and apologize and wonder what happened to him. Although Dan only grunted once, his breathing was heavy and fast, and she could tell that whatever happened to him would take some time to pass. After what seemed like several more minutes without incident, Juliet's voice broke the relative silence. Good work, contestants. You have lasted four minutes. Amazed, Amanda was certain that Juliet was playing mind games with them. It had to have been at least 15 minutes since the test began. Now the test gets tougher. Good luck. Immediately after Juliet's microphone was turned off with a faint click, Amanda began to feel tiny electric shocks applied to the soles of her feet through the metal foot pads. The shocks didn't hurt. In fact, they tickled. And they were more annoying, but contestants felt compelled to lift their feet to stop the sensation. First, it was a shock to the neck. Then heat was applied to the ass. Next, their collars emitted a high-pitched vibration which pierced the wearer's ears. Every time a punishment was administered, the recipient would react in a spasm and break another connection with the metal pads or rings. Eventually, the punishments came so fast that they couldn't keep up, and Juliet and her guests looked down to... Enjoy the twisted punishment dance of the two victims until a safety system engaged and both contestants dropped to the ground. As the onlookers applauded, Dan and Amanda laid on the ground panting but not moving. The collars they wore included a safety system that monitored their vital signs. 
when the wearer's bodily functions exceeded acceptable perimeters for a predetermined period, the safety system automatically stopped the contest. Upon stopping the contest, the collars and plugs emitted a constant low-level electrical pulse that essentially paralyzed the wearer, similar to the effect of a taser or other electrical shock, but without any harmful side effects. Although they could not move, Dan and Amanda could still sense their surroundings. Amanda heard the doors to the cell open. She heard the four attendants leave the room, and she heard two new attendants enter. One approached her, and the other attended to Dan. Amanda could feel her attendant wrap her paralyzed torso in a familiar harness, and once the harness was in place, Amanda slowly regained her ability to move. She rose to her knees. The attendant manipulated the straps of the head harness until it loosened its compressive grip on her skull. Instinctively, Amanda reached up to remove the harness, but she was instantly punished by the harness. Please, just let me take care of you. You've been through a lot today, Tara said. Amanda began to talk, and she was punished again. So Amanda anxiously knelt her hands to her sides while Tara removed the head harness. As Amanda's eyes were adjusting to the light, she could see Beth's attending to Dan at the opposite end of the cell. Once the head harnesses were removed and placed on the nearby tables, Tara and Beth clipped leashes to Amanda and Dan and led them out of the opposing doors. Confused and fatigued, Dan and Amanda each silently turned around to watch the other being led away. The trip to Amanda's suite was mercifully short. It wasn't until she started walking that Amanda realized how physically exhausted she was. To her surprise, she wasn't the slightest bit injured by the day's contest, but she was extremely sore and tired. Apparently, Tara realized how tired Amanda would be because upon arriving at the suite, Tara made Amanda a cup of hot chocolate and put her to bed in an afternoon nap. Sleep came hard and fast for Amanda, and Tara let her sleep until four o'clock when she gently aroused her reluctant submissive. Time to wake up, Tara whispered as she gently shook Amanda. We need to get ready for the final test. Amanda sat up on the edge of her bed, and Tara put her finger to her lips to keep Amanda from speaking. Tara explained that the final test would take place at a dinner party in the main hall. Tara motioned toward the bathroom and said, It's time for you to clean up so that we can dress for the party. Amanda slowly rose from the bed and began her shower. She took her time letting the warm water collect in her hair and drip down her neck, down her back and breast the rest of her body. She worked from the top downward, washing her hair first and making her way down her body to her feet. Amanda knew that this was her last chance to relax before having to endure some humiliating test. She savored her time here alone, but after 30 minutes, Tara opened the bathroom door to keep her on schedule. She dried herself and left the bathroom. To Amanda's surprise, upon entering the bedroom, she found that Tara was dressed in a stunning black evening gown. Her hair was tied up in a tight bun, and she was accompanied by two more plainly dressed attendants. The three of them attended to Amanda as though she was a pampered starlet getting ready for a red carpet appearance. They set her down in front of the mirrored vanity and meticulously fixed her hair and makeup. Amanda relaxed until they were finished, and when she looked at herself in the mirror, she was amazed. She almost didn't recognize herself. She had never looked or felt more attractive. Her hair looked angelic, and even though her makeup was barely visible, it made her a vision of beauty. Without wasting any time, the three attendants whisked Amanda into the walk-in closet to get her dressed. They removed the harness that controlled Amanda. With one attendant on each arm to ensure her cooperation, Amanda was free for only a few seconds until they helped her slip into a beautiful green evening gown. The gown was made from a strong but attractive satin material, and it hugged her figure as though it was made especially for her, which it was. Waist was especially snug, and Tara wrapped a wide belt around Amanda's midsection. The belt was made of the same material as the dress, and it hugged Amanda's waist like a kind of corset. 
She could see that the belt was to be secured from behind, and the small of her back providing a clean, seamless appearance from the front and sides. Amanda could also see that the front of the dress was extremely low-cut, and it highlighted her barely concealed breasts. Admiring herself in a mirror before her, Amanda liked the way the side panels were pleated so that the material seemed to gather at her waist upon the belt. Though the completed look gave her a noticeable waistline, Amanda was still just as beautiful with an hourglass figure as ever before. Tara completed her work on the belt with Amanda with one little click, while the other two attendants firmly drew Amanda's arms behind her and secured them before a pair of cross-looped integrated into the belt. Each loop was a kind of slip knot, and each attendant pulled free an end of each belt as it crossed behind Amanda's wrists. The free ends of the belt hung behind Amanda to give the appearance of a neatly tied bow. The position of her wrists naturally forced her breasts forward. They stepped back to admire their work. They were pleased. The cut of the dress, the height of the heels, and Amanda's reluctant, sultry posture conspired to accentuate her appearance of beauty and helplessness. Tara dismissed the other two attendants and began to collect her purse while she explained the rules for the evening's party. Tonight, Mistress Juliette is entertaining a number of important social guests. Although they are all aware of Mistress Juliet's interest, not all of the guests are lifestyle participants. In fact, some of the guests this evening only tolerate Mistress Juliet's eccentricities because of her money, but she doesn't seem to mind, Tara explained. Out of respect for the more vanilla guests, the suggested dress code for tonight's party is conventional formal attire, essentially evening gowns and tuxedos. As you have probably guessed, however, it is acceptable to supplement one's attire to convey one's eccentric inclinations, as long as it is done tastefully, like we're doing with you. Suddenly, Amanda realized that since she was no longer wearing the harness, she might be able to engage Tara in conversation. So how is this evening's party an appropriate venue for Juliet's third test? Amanda asked tentatively. Well, <laughs> The goal of the test is to convince one of the guests that it's inappropriate to grope, per se, during the cocktail hour. Checking your watch, Tara's eyebrows raised up in surprise. We have just enough time to make our entrance on time. As the two women made their way through the halls towards the ballroom, Amanda suggested that the test was rather lame, apologizing for sounding immodest, Amanda suggested that any man at the party would happily grope her if she simply asked. What was I thinking? I totally forgot, Tara said as if to herself. Forgot what? Amanda asked. Silence, slave, Tara replied in a commanding tone, and Amanda's emerald choker took on a subtle glow that Amanda could see but sensed nothing. Disappointment engulfed Amanda as she realized that she had lost her best chance to talk with Tara. Sorry about that, Amanda. I forgot that you'll not be able to speak during the cocktail party. You're right. It would have been lame if you could just ask someone to grope you. You know, the, the test would have ended as if it began. I just, I don't understand. Tara explained as she picked up the pace. This way you have to communicate your need to be groped some other way. Just be careful who you choose, though. Some guests would be offended while others may take things too far. Beth told me about one woman who had given the test about a year ago. She disappeared from the party and was never heard from again. I'm pretty sure that any of the people at this party had the means to secretly keep somebody against their will, especially if that someone was a woman who starts out bound and gagged. Tara warned as they reached a large arched doorway leading to the ballroom. As they entered the ballroom, Amanda immediately spotted Dan and Beth at the far end of the room. Dan looked handsome in a traditional tuxedo, bow tie, and cummerbund. Looking intently, Amanda could make out a red glow emanating from his top button just behind his tie. She realized that, like her, he was likely forced to be silent. She also realized that his wrists were likely bound behind his back like hers. 
You stay put and I'll get us a drink, Tara said. Will a white wine be okay with you? Amanda nodded in response and watched as Tara walked towards a waiter carrying a tray of drinks. As soon as Tara's back was to her, Amanda began to make her way to Dan at the other end of the room. Fortunately, Beth noticed Tara on her mission to get drinks and left Dan momentarily to meet up with Tara. Amanda quickly but elegantly crossed the room, and Dan moved just as swiftly towards Amanda. They met in the middle of the ballroom, and although neither could voice their feelings, their eyes spoke volumes. Dan leaned toward Amanda and stretched upward, and they shared a long, passionate kiss like they had been reunited after years apart. The kiss prompted the guests around them to murmur, Circles of interest radiated outwardly from the center of attention. Some guests were appalled at the overt display, while others were caught up in the romance of the two young lovers. Before the kiss had ended, Tara and Beth heard the whispers and looked toward the center of the ballroom to see what the commotion was all about. Tara whispered to Beth that they were truly a lucky couple to have found each other, but Beth was already strutting towards the two to regain control of Dan who was solely her responsibility. Before anything more could happen, a five-piece string ensemble began playing a fanfare from one corner of the ballroom, and the crowd turned to watch Juliet's entrance. Beth stopped short. The crowd parted to create a walkway from Juliet to the center of the ballroom, where Dan and Amanda remained in their own world, oblivious to the pomp and the circumstance around them. As Juliet reached the center of the ballroom, she raised her hands from her sides in a broad, welcoming gesture. But most of the guests' eyes were on Dan and Amanda, who suddenly realized they had unwanted attention. "'Friends, welcome to my home,' Juliet announced with a smile. "'I hope all of you have at least as enjoyable as an evening as my guests of honor,' she continued with a gesture towards Amanda and Dan. The guests chuckled lightly. Juliet kept her opening remarks brief, but explained to the guests that Amanda and Dan have a task to complete before the end of the cocktail hour. She also explained that both Amanda and Dan have strict rules against talking, and that they're obviously preventing from gesturing. She encouraged the guests to mingle, and to assist Dan and Amanda in any way they wish. When she was finished greeting her guests, Juliet turned to face Dan and Amanda. She held each of their chins in her hands and looked into their eyes. I envy you, she said quietly. Tonight will decide the rest of your lives. I hope it turns out well for each of you. Good luck. Juliet quickly turned her back to them and began joyfully greeting individual guests. Although they couldn't speak to one another, Dan and Amanda turned to face each other as Beth and Tara came up beside them. Tara and Beth escorted their elegant prisoners to opposite ends of the ballroom, and the contest had begun. Beth took Dan to the end of the ballroom nearest the restrooms, and Tara escorted Amanda to the open bar. Tara set the wine glass that she ordered for Amanda on the bar next to her, and she walked away to leave Amanda to fend for herself. Tara stayed within a 30-foot radius to observe Amanda's progress. Amanda struggled with her wrists behind her back, but they were held fast by the satin belt. A beautiful Asian woman in a cream-colored evening gown came up to the bar next to Amanda and ordered an appletini. Based on her jewelry, the woman seemed to be extraordinarily wealthy. As she waited for the bartender to make her drink, she turned to Amanda and smiled. You seem to be frustrated by your lovely dress, the woman said with a devious grin. Amanda could only nod in agreement. Are your hands behind your back because you can't keep them to yourself? The woman asked playfully. Amanda rolled her eyes and gave shot the woman a somewhat disgusted expression. Taking her drink from the bartender, the woman turned and moved uncomfortably close to Amanda. Are you being held against your will? The woman whispered seriously. Amanda looked at the woman like a newborn doe. She had no idea who the woman was and whether she could confide in her, but she slowly nodded in response. The woman gently took her by the arm and began escorting her towards the restroom. My name is Rebecca Chung. Let's go somewhere where we can talk candidly. 
I've known about Mr. Juliet's games for a while, and I'll help you with your little wardrobe malfunction. Amanda smiled and went with the woman. Tara followed quietly, with discreet distance. As Rebecca and Amanda entered the woman's restroom, Dan stood twenty feet away. He was flanked by two beautiful blondes who were laughing and giggling. He caught Amanda's eyes with a look that conveyed his complete lack of control over the situation. Once inside the lavatory, Rebecca checked under the stalls to ensure that they were alone. She realized that there were likely hidden cameras, but she was willing to take that risk. She spun around and saw Amanda examining the handcuffs embedded into the silk belt, but she couldn't figure out how to unlock them. They each appeared to be seemingly integrated into the belt with no obvious mechanism for release. She spun Amanda back around and apologized for not being able to free her. Instead, she quickly played 20 questions with Amanda to determine an overview of her situation. Rebecca was able to figure out that Amanda was being held prisoner and she couldn't talk for some reason, and then at least one other guest was watching over her. Rebecca explained to Amanda that if it was just as well, she couldn't remove the belt. It would be best if the belt remained as if to avoid the suspicion, but she assured Amanda that she would keep an eye out for a way to help her escape. Finally, Rebecca asked about the task that Amanda was supposed to complete. After another series of gestures and questions, nods and shakes, Rebecca deduced that someone at the party had to do something to Amanda in order for her to complete her goal. Knowing Juliet, Rebecca asked, Do you need to get someone to act inappropriately with you? Amanda nodded. And does it need to be a specific guest? Amanda shook her head. After a moment's thought, Rebecca said, Would you want it to be me? Amanda had a thousand thoughts running through her head. If she was the first to complete the task, would Juliet consider her the dominant or the submissive in any relationship with Dan? What if Dan is in the ballroom completing the task as they speak? She decided to go for it. Amanda nodded in agreement. Rebecca let out a long sigh. Oh, well, I've never done anything like this before, but what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to do it for you. Would a long, passionate kiss be inappropriate enough? She asked. Amanda shook her head. Surprised, Rebecca timidly offered that she could reach down Amanda's gown and feel her breasts, and Amanda slowly nodded in agreement. Rebecca further suggested that groping should be witnessed by others to ensure that Amanda received credit for winning the contest, and Amanda, of course, agreed. Thoughtfully, Rebecca ushered Amanda from the restroom, and the sounds from the bathroom and the ballroom seemed to hit them in waves. About ten feet from the restroom door, Rebecca stopped, and Amanda slid behind her. Amanda was facing all the guests in the ballroom, as Rebecca gently placed her hands on Amanda's shoulders. Rebecca gave a reassuring squeeze before she began to slide her right over Amanda's shoulder and down towards her breast. To Amanda, events seemed to be happening in slow motion. Amanda glanced down at Rebecca's hand and then over to her left to see that Dan and his two blonde escorts were intense on focusing just on Dan. Amanda heard the blonde closest to her laugh and comment. <laughs> well, you're in no condition to do that yourself. Let me help you with that zipper. Realizing the blonde was about to unzip Dan's fly in the middle of the ballroom, Amanda pulled away from Rebecca and lunged toward the woman, taking two long strides. Amanda barreled into the woman, knocking her into a waiter before she hit the ground. Gasps, shrieks, and sounds of clanging service trays and broken glass pierced the air. The blonde's twin angrily stepped towards Amanda, and her right hand raised to slap Amanda's face. But Dan stepped between the two women in time to receive the slap instead. Like bouncers in a redneck bar, Tara and Beth quickly arrived to defuse the scene. Tara tugged Amanda towards one end, and Beth pulled Dan in the opposite direction. Looking over their shoulders, Dan and Amanda could see the others being pushed out of the ballroom. As they retreated through the ballroom doors, Amanda could hear Mistress Juliet apologizing for the commotion and joking that one never knows what to expect when attending the parties of her estate. Chapter 19. Test Results Dan opened his eyes to blackness. His head throbbed and his thinking was clouded. He tried to move, but his limbs were stretched to their limits. Slowly, 
He pierced together his situation and events following the cocktail party in the previous evening. His behavior had left Beth incensed, and when she brought him back to the suite, she took her hanger out on him. She knew that she wasn't allowed to truly punish him, so she simply offered him too many drinks and made sure, really sure, that he was properly secured for the evening. Dan's hands were snugly curled into a locking leather fist mitt, and he was tightly strapped to his bed in thick leather cuffs with his wrists, elbows, chest, waist, knees, and ankles were all tethered to attachment points along the sides of his bed. A full leather hood engulfed his face, and it was secured to the base of the headboard by a D-ring at the top of the hood, thereby preventing the slightest movement. His ears were filled with foam plugs, and his mouth was similarly filled with dense foam that expanded upon contact with moisture. A five-inch posture collar hugged his neck, and even though it was not attached to anything, it served to continually remind him of his subjugation. Finally, spiked rings were attached around the base of his penis and around the top of his ball sack, and the spikes were not sharp enough to pierce his skin, but they applied uncomfortable pressure in his most tender places. As his head cleared, Dan wondered why he was suddenly awake. Even though his senses had been taken from him, he could feel a presence. After a few moments, he could feel someone detaching the hood from the bed. One by one, his bindings were removed until all that remained were the belt around his waist and the rings around his private parts. Through the darkness, he could see that it was 3.50 in the morning. He could also see that Beth was half asleep. She tossed the familiar J-2010 onto the bed and grumbled, Put this on. Linda wants to see you. What about these rings? Dan motioned towards his midsection. They get in the way of the harness. Beth walked over and removed the rings. To his surprise, each ring had a small button that allowed it to be easily opened. As she set the rings on the nightstand, Beth apologized for the way she treated him the night before. She explained that she was angry with him for not winning the final contest. She had hoped that if he'd won the final test and became the dominant partner, that she could continue to work with him and Amanda. Beth was concerned that if Dan was deemed to be the submissive, she might be reassigned to some other less enjoyable job. Once Dan was wearing the harness, Beth said, Heel slave, and they made their way to Linda's suite. When they arrived at her suite, Tara and Amanda were already there. Dan couldn't help but admire Amanda and her harness. Tara and Beth lined up Amanda and Dan so that they were facing Linda. The handlers instructed their slaves to stand with their feet shoulder-length apart and their wrists crossed behind their back. Once they were in position, Linda commanded, Statue slave. Although Dan hadn't heard that harness command before, he surmised its meaning. He and Amanda stood perfectly still in the fear of some unknown punishment. Linda dismissed Tara and Beth, but instructed them to return for Amanda and Dan at 5 a.m. Linda warned them to tell no one that they were brought. As the door closed behind Beth and Tara, Linda turned back to Amanda and Dan. She felt a sense of power she had never known, and she savored the moment as she stood in front of her two helpless friends. She studied one and then the other. She thought back to the times they shared as co-workers at Leather or Not, and she realized how quickly their lives had changed. And, of course, would change again. As she surveyed the two motionless slaves, she noticed two bottles of pills on her nightstand. One bottle contained red pills to enhance one's dominant side, and the other bottle held blue pills to enhance the one's submissive tendencies. Although she knew the pills were intended for Dan and Amanda once the test results were revealed, she couldn't help herself. She strode past her motionless audience and without hesitating popped one of the red pills into her mouth and swallowed. She waited, not knowing exactly what to expect, but after about 15 minutes, a chill ran through her body and a forceful energy shot from her chest to her extremities she suddenly felt like she could conquer the world. Resuming her stance before her slaves, she stood with her fists on her hips and her chin high and proud. She explained to Dan and Amanda that Juliet had confided in her the results of the test and that she wanted to be the one to tell them. 
Of course, Juliet expects to personally announce the official results at breakfast, but I thought you might want a little preview of your new lives, Linda confessed with an evil sparkle in her eyes. Keep in mind that we would all be severely punished if Juliet ever found out that we had this little chat, so I expect complete discretion. Linda explained that their friendship had meant a lot more to her than everyone could see the two of them were made for each other, and she continued by acknowledging that the suspense must be eating at them, so she thought she could just end their suffering by revealing the results early. Like the host of a cheesy reality program, Linda prefaced the reveal by saying, the test results were extremely close. Juliet said that either one of you could have been the dominant in your relationship, but one just slightly edged out over the other. Juliet had assured me that even though it was close, you will both be happy with the results, especially once you begin your regime of red and blue pills. I really wish you both the best of everything as you begin your new lives as mistress and slave. The comment hung in the air several seconds before her audience reacted. Dan and Amanda were both stunned. Dan felt panic welling up within him. He never wanted to be completely dominant to Amanda, but he certainly didn't want to be her slave either. Amanda was equally confused, but she slowly realized that because she was the selected dominant, she would be able to make things right. Over time, suddenly a smile crept across her otherwise motionless face, and Linda smiled too. Linda looked at the two of them and said, if you're okay with this, blink your eyes. Amanda's smile broadened as she repeated, blinking her eyes. Linda looked over to Dan to see him staring wide-eyed into the distance as though he couldn't believe what was happening. Linda leaned in close and whispered, It's going to be all right, Dan. Even if you don't realize it right now, in time, you'll learn to love your position beneath Amanda. Linda reached into her pocket to retrieve a remote controller. After pressing a few buttons, Amanda's harness unfastened itself and hung limply on Amanda's body, ready to be removed. Amanda didn't immediately move, but Linda reassured her that it was okay. She asked Amanda whether she would like help training Dan. Amanda's head was spinning. If the events of the past week had taught her anything, it was that Dan was the only person that she could really trust. Realizing that Linda was awaiting an answer, Amanda shook off her deeper thoughts and eagerly agreed to let Linda help. Great. We don't have much time. I need to have you both back in your rooms in an hour. For the first session, let's just get you looking as powerful as you must be feeling, Linda said as she guided Amanda into her walk-in closet. They both ignored Dan, who remained standing with his wrist crossed behind his back, facing a now empty room. Amanda's mind was racing with possibilities. This was likely her best opportunity to make or break of freedom, but she knew she had to humor Linda long enough to develop a viable plan. Linda and Amanda looked through the well-stocked wardrobe, and Linda suggested a low-cut black leather catsuit with a matching thin leather belt. The belt, though unnecessary, drew attention to the wearer's waist and hips to give an impression of both powerful and sensuality. That looks fantastic, Amanda remarked as she scanned the room for items that would help her escape without incident. Linda helped Amanda select an ominous choker with a pendant that dangled between her breasts, a pair of black leather gloves, a pair of stiletto-heeled boots, and a black cowl which covered the top portion of her face. All the while, Amanda was unsuccessful trying to formulate an escape. Everything she considered seemed likely to fail. Discouraged, Amanda continued to go along with whatever Linda suggested. You look fabulous, Linda said, as they both admired Amanda's outfit in a full-length mirror just outside the walk-in closet. Amanda agreed. She couldn't believe her own eyes. She had tried on hundreds of outfits since she had began working at the shop, and she had never looked quite so good. She looked good enough to make the fantasy a reality, but she quickly pushed those thoughts aside. Dan remained at attention in every sense of the word while the women were playing dress-up. Linda escorted Amanda out of the closet and positioned her directly in front of Dan. Legs spread and fists on her hips, Amanda felt powerful in her dominatrix attire, but she also felt sorry for Dan as he stood silently staring into her eyes. 
Linda strode past them toward an armoire full of bondage paraphernalia. She opened the double doors and reached for what looked like an oxygen mask with a miniature tank attached to the front of it. She brought it back to Amanda and asked if she had seen anything like it before. Amanda recalled her tour of Juliet's research and development department and the experimental inhaler that delivered a muscle relaxant for disabling a victim's vocal cords. Amanda acknowledged that she knew about the device as Linda stepped in front of her and lifted the mask to administer the gas to Dan. Amanda seized the opportunity to grab Linda from behind. The surprise attack caught Linda off guard and the two women went sprawling across the floor. Why, you little bitch! Linda seized as she rolled over to stand up. Knowing that this was their only chance to escape, Amanda didn't waste a moment. She turned Linda over by her shoulder and punched her in the stomach as hard as she could. Linda felt a vacuum where her lungs used to be and she sat doubled over, stunned and gasping for breath. Amanda knew that Linda was only temporarily incapacitated, and she looked around frantically for something to restrain Linda while she had the upper hand. Although the armoire was full of restraint devices, it was far too away to be practical. Thinking quickly, she removed the leather belt from her cat suit and secured Linda's wrist behind her back. Amanda knew that this wouldn't keep Linda there for long, but it would give her time to select some real restraints from the armoire. As Amanda returned from the armoire with a handful of leather straps, Linda's breathing began to return to normal. Linda stared contemptuously at Amanda and struggled frantically to escape the unyielding grip of her belt. Why are you doing this? You won, Linda wheezed. While Amanda hastily secured Linda's elbows with a pair of leather cuffs, she answered, I didn't win anything. Juliet is calling all the shots. As long as we're here... We're all just pieces in her personal chess game. As Amanda connected the elbow cuffs, Linda continued to struggle wildly. She threw herself left and right, struggling to break free from the unrelenting leather cuffs like an animal. As she grunted and groaned, Amanda picked up the inhaler that had been knocked to the floor during the scuffle, approaching her captive from behind. Amanda grabbed the handful of Linda's hair and and led her mouth to being pressed up against the inhaler. After a loud moan of protest and a few deep breaths, Linda became silent. Amanda quickly dragged Linda to the front of the bed and cuffed her wrists together behind that bedpost. Amanda found it unnecessary to restrain her any further since Linda was now unable to escape or call for help. Dan and Amanda only needed to keep Linda subdued long enough to get out of the room and away from the estate. Turning her attention to Dan, Amanda quickly but firmly said, Harness deactivate. Amanda rushed over to Dan to embrace him and kiss him. Linda looked on from the floor, tugging at her cuffs. After taking a moment for themselves, Dan and Amanda quickly evaluated their situation and developed a plan to escape. Amanda suggested that since she was already dressed for the part, she would escort Dan, her submissive, through the estate and ride out the front door. If she was questioned, she could talk her way out of the trouble. If that didn't work, the two of them might be able to overpower whoever was in their way. It was a simple plan, but not without its faults. It was the best they could manage with limited time and resources. Reluctantly, Dan remained in his harness to give the appearance of submission. He knew that although the harness was disabled at the moment, continuing to wear it posed the risk that it could become reactivated by the house staff during their escape. Amanda found the two leather overnight bags in the closet, and she and Dan collected anything they could use in their escape. Specifically, they brought casual street clothes for both of them, a complete set of restraints in case they needed to overpower a staff member, and the tank of vocal cord paralyzer. Although not strictly necessary for their escape, Dan threw in Amanda's harness and bottles of blue and red pills. Optimistically, he thought, Those items might prove interesting should they successfully escape. Turning back to check Linda, Amanda apologized for leaving her strapped to the bed frame. Amanda explained that she and Dan loved each other far too much to be forced into specific dominant and submissive roles chosen by someone else, particularly Juliet. Amanda removed a leather leash and collar from the armoire. Looking into Dan's eyes, she remembered that they needed to stay in character during their escape. Amanda put the collar around Dan's neck and clipped the leash to a ring on the collar. She directed him to his eyes down and his hands behind his back. With a deep breath, she opened the door and they casually made their way towards the front. 
Amanda was surprised by the number of people working in the estate at such an early hour. They passed several workers and guests as they walked through the estate toward the front exit. Upon arriving at the front door, Amanda was feeling confident that they were playing their parts well enough that no one would question them. Her heart sank, however, when they came face to face with the valet and doorman stationed outside the front door. She recognized the doorman, and she could tell that he recognized her as well. She was further startled by the sound of servo motor turning an overhead camera on in their direction. Nearly a quarter mile away in the rear of the mansion, an LCD screen displayed streaming video of Amanda and Dan encountered the polite and helpful doorman. The LCD screen was mounted on a wall facing a treadmill and a lavish workout facility. The sound of jogging flowed and the whir of the treadmill decreased, allowing the runner to hear the conversation. Juliet dabbed her face with a towel as to the conversation between the doorman and Amanda. She threw back a swallow of her energy drink without taking her eyes off the LCD display. Wiping her mouth, she watched as the doorman allowed Dan and Amanda to walk away without delaying them further. As she continued her morning routine, Juliet smiled a knowing smile. She felt a warm feeling of vindication. She knew that they were meant for each other, and from the moment she had met them, the test results further confirmed her innate suspicion about them. Although she told a few members of the staff that Amanda won by hair, the scores were in fact exactly the same. She hoped that she had realized the special nature of the relationship, that she was helpful in jump-starting their future. Broadening her smile, she felt a bit more complete and rather proud of her ability to judge human nature. But there would always be a void that only her husband could have filled. Back at the front door, the valet doorman watched Amanda lead Dan down the long tree-lined driveway toward the rising sun. Even though both men thought of themselves as dominance, they envied Dan. Amanda was stunning. It seemed surreal to her that she was dressed in a leather cat suit and leading Dan by a leash. As sparks of light from the rising sun broke through the trees, she couldn't help but feel as though it was a new day for them both. As long as they could escape, they would be together. After ten minutes, they reached the main gate at the end of the driveway. Although cars could neither enter nor leave the estate without opening the gate, it was easy to pass through the gate on foot. Amanda looked down the two-lane drive in both directions, and she saw no cars. In the distance ahead of them, through a lighted wooded area, she could hear cars traveling on the interstate. Pausing only briefly to consider her stiletto heels, she led her partner across the street and into the woods. Once they were far enough into the wooded area, they were hidden from the sight. Amanda stopped and removed Dan's harness. Together, they opened the leather bags and quickly changed into the street clothes they had packed storing their fetish garb back into their overnight bags. Wearing tennis shoes and jeans, Dan and Amanda moved quickly towards the increasingly loud sound of passing cars and trucks. In short order, they found themselves on the shoulder of the interstate, walking towards the nearest exit. They walked. Dan and Amanda discussed how Juliet had come looking for them. They considered contacting the police, but they couldn't be sure how far Juliet's wealth and connections reached. Instead, Amanda suggested that they should hide for a while and make a new start using the money in Amanda's account. They agreed that their apartment would not be safe, and they decided to have a mutual friend collect their belongings at the first opportunity. They hadn't been walking for five minutes before an older couple pulled over and offered them a ride. Amanda explained to a woman in the passenger seat that they had been hiking and had lost their way. Amanda asked if the couple could drive them to the nearest gas station so that they could call a friend. The couple obliged and let Dan use their mobile phone to make arrangements for their friend to pick them up. Resting their heads on the back seat of their older couple's sedan, Dan and Amanda relaxed for the first time in days. Dan knew that their real adventure was beginning. But as he turned to gaze at Amanda in the bright morning sun, he smiled and sighed and was comforted that the rest of their adventure would be on their terms. The End the epilogue. Juliet's forehead was nearly touching Linda's. Even though the two were only inches apart, it didn't feel like either was invading the other's personal space. Instead, it felt strangely intimate. Linda received Juliet's gaze as though it pierced through her physical being and directly into her soul. She kept her eyes upward and fixed on Juliet's face. She couldn't will herself to look away. Juliet looked downward toward Linda with an expression 
that was one part sympathy, one part understanding, and one part disappointment. Of course, Linda found the disappointment troubling. Linda, dear, I know that you haven't been with us for very long, but I've grown quite fond of you, Juliet said sweetly as she slowly backed away from Linda. You must swear to me that you will never disobey an order or be inattentive again, Juliet continued while drinking in the entirety of Linda's predicament. Linda didn't even look to speak, but she smiled with relief and obediently gave her head a slight nod. Unfortunately, the onlookers couldn't discern her smile, as it was obscured by the muzzle gap strapped tightly around Linda's head. Nobody could see the grimace that she made when she attempted her nod. Linda's ponytail had been pulled back so tightly and attached to the back of her posture collar that even the slightest movement caused searing pain across her scalp. I know that you will behave from now on, Juliet said on Linda's behalf. And I won't hold your indiscretions against you in your new position at the estate. Linda knew that the words sounded comforting, but she didn't like where Juliet's monologue was heading. In fact, I've decided to promote you to a higher position and use your experience as a model for the entire staff. In her peripheral vision, Linda could make out a remote controller in Juliet's hand. Juliet held it higher for Linda to have a better look, and she smiled as she pressed one of the buttons. Linda mercilessly strapped into a vertical hog tie, was wearing nothing but ballet boots. The tightly wrapped package that was Linda was slowly lifted by an electric motor humming high above the ornate front hall. She came to a stop, nearly three stories above, suspended just under the chandelier. The leather panel that covered Linda's nose and mouth prevented Linda's co-workers from hearing the gasp of surprise when she began her ascent, but her eyes grew unusually wide and a tear trickled down her cheek. At the peak of her journey upward, she swayed slightly as she struggled furiously in her bonds due to the lingering effects of the red pill. Slowly, the onlookers dispersed and continued on with their daily duties, each a little more motivated because of the new ornament hanging in the hall. Linda tried to scream, but just as the muscle-relaxing gas began to wear off, a time-release mist of the gas would expel from a dispenser inside her gag, keeping her silent. Juliet stood in the hall, admiring Linda's dilemma from below. She couldn't help feeling just a little bit responsible for Linda's indiscretion with Dan and Amanda, since Amanda didn't actually win the competition, as she confided in Linda. Because the results were an exact tie, as Juliet had suspected from the start, she knew that Dan and Amanda would not be satisfied with any arrangement dictated by others. She knew that they would try to escape once they heard the results, and she let them. As Juliet stood in the hall daydreaming, she noticed Tara and Beth crossing the foyer on their way to a staff meeting. Juliet called them over and instructed them to let Linda down and release her in 20 minutes. Juliet further instructed them to escort her to her room and give the three of them the remainder of the day off. She suggested that they go to the employee lounge to relax over some margaritas. Juliet walked away content and musing that she was right about Dan and Amanda from the start. They were a one-in-a-million couple. They're made for each other, just like Juliet and her late husband. Maybe someday she would track them down to tell them so. Miles away, Dan and Amanda felt like two mice fortunate enough to scurry under a couch after being swatted and toyed with by a well-fed cat. Officially, the end. And join us next time for Mistress Mia's Dungeon. Until then, have a fabulously dirty, kinky day.